Welcome to the Pop Cult Podcast. Here are your hosts Ariana and Seth. This is the Pop Cult Podcast. I'm Seth. I'm Ariana. And today we've got a horror double feature. A little later in the show, we'll be talking about the film Talk to Me. But first, we're going to review a slightly more recent release. And this is Cobweb from Lionsgate Pictures. Uh, Young Peter is plagued by a mysterious constant noise from inside his bedroom wall, a tapping that his parents insist is in his imagination. As his fears intensify, he starts to believe that his parents are hiding a terrible and dangerous dangerous secret. Uh, This film uh, debuted at the box office, I think it was a week ago from when I'm recording this, and Lionsgate drug their heels in releasing the box office returns. It turns out $2.3 million opening weekend. Uh, for a budget that I believe was higher than that. Also produced by uh, Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen, but they produce a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, And it's because Lionsgate was so weird about releasing the budget. That's what got me intrigued in it. And what is this movie? What's going on? It also had a trailer that you didn't immediately know what the horror was. It was just like creepy things. Uh, So without revealing, but you already know, uh, my uh, point of view on this, uh, Ariana, what did you think of Cobweb? Um, I feel like this is the worst adaptation of Matilda that we could ever get. And I say Matilda because it's like, there's this vibe that the, you know, the teacher is way more invested and it's going to end up like sticking to this kid at the end. It's just, I wanted it to be something that it wasn't. So the delivery just was a was a thud. The way I thought about it was saying it's not a predictable movie. No. But it's not a surprising movie. No, and like there's nothing really interesting at the end of the day. The parts that are interesting is more like the visual aspect because we don't really under we don't really get a sense of what time we're in they're kind of mixing around a lot of elements yeah because when you're in the house it feels as if it could be like the 1970s 1980s and then when you're in the classroom you think it's a little bit more modern because oh we finally have a biracial or black person in the mix and she looks a little bit more modern amongst a lot of white kids yeah there's a very profound disconnect between home life and that tone and then school and that tone which are the only two places we go in this movie it's very like at home it feels like they're trying to push almost like a fable-ish kind of tone where it's oh this is like a a scary fairy tale you might have heard or something yeah but that's so at odds with everything that's happening with the teacher and so it just ends up being just an a mess of things that never come together and really make sense in any way. And like I said, I like horror movies that don't uh, reveal to you every aspect of what's going on with them. And we'll talk about that more with Talk to Me, which is a movie that its big horror conceit remains a mystery at the end of the movie. Yeah. Uh, but here they reveal some things to you. But those revelations don't make any logical sense based on every other piece of information in the movie. No. So then you're left wondering, what? what hold up, are we ever going to get like even just an inkling of backstory to understand how this all makes sense? 
I also say this has one of the worst horror movie endings I've ever seen in my life. It felt like they didn't know what to do with the movie. They didn't know how to end the movie. So they just kind of edit together a montage of things that might be happening or uh, Peter, the little boy, might be imagining with voiceover. Yeah. And it just, it it was a thud of an ending. One of the worst endings. Yeah, you really get a sense that, like, the house feels obviously um, like a stage setup, right? So the walls feel paper thin. They're yeah, definitely on like, a sound stage. It's yeah. on a sound stage, and I think it's supposed to be to make you feel as almost like in your like you're an adult house. Like none of this is real. We're kind of pushing that. I think Greta Gerwig when she talked about Barbie, the authentic artificiality, yes. where it's we're not trying to pretend that this is real. And there doesn't feel as if like this child, Peter, has any love towards the house. Like a lot of like we when we see him playing, he's playing with a ball, like hitting it against the wall. We don't see him like play with any other toys. We don't really see him painting. There's like nothing really about Peter that's interesting except he's a shy, quiet little well, boy. And I also didn't understand like continuity wise, they hadn't just moved to this town. No. But and he's lived with these parents his whole life. Yeah. But it's like suddenly now things get weird and there's never a catalyst that started it. It's just no. like, oh, he lives in his house and then his parents just get weird suddenly. And it felt like, well, had he never noticed anything weird? There's a scene where he's punished by being taken down into the basement. Yeah. And we see there's some sort of like uh, pit that's been made with a locked grating over the surface of it. Yeah. And he doesn't react to that really no and the implication is he knows it's there but then you're like oh what what (laughs) i don't i don't understand why nobody's talking about this or yeah what it is that like the parents do so the mom is a stay-at-home mom who used to be a teacher the dad wears a lot of plaid shirts yeah the dad is (laughs) a lumberjack i don't know all the time but we don't see like like when we see the exterior of the house it just looks deteriorated and awful so i think like the implication is he's spending all his time trying to construct ways to contain this thing yeah but the movie does not communicate that even in a way that you could infer that you just kind of have to like sit and go well that's the only thing i could imagine he was doing with all his time (laughs) the house is kind of terrible and so there's just also like this weird thing like we don't really get to know the parents besides the fact that like uh Lizzie Kaplan's character Carol is the nicer parent compared to Anthony Starr's Mark who's like the more like but they both have like wild mood swings yeah. that aren't explained and it, I would think it would make sense if the sort of entity was making Peter see them that way but they weren't really that way but they really are that way yeah, and it's also like this weird thing, like, I wish, like, because then you have the whole teacher wanting to investigate his, like, home life, which is, like, kind of bizarre. Well, she's also, we forgot this, she's a substitute teacher. She's a substitute teacher who's <laughs> getting, like, too involved. Um, And here's the thing, like, there is never, like, any notes of when she tries, uh, like, if she were to say... Oh, talk to another kid or talk to another teacher who had Peter. Or or report to, you know, the Department of Children's Services or or something. Yeah, you know, uh, 
Peter's parents never come to parent-teacher night. They're just very conservative. They keep to themselves kind of thing. Because for the longest time, I thought it was going to be revealed that his parents weren't real, that it was some, like, hallucination or yeah. ghosts or something. And no, they're real. So, yeah, like you're saying, it doesn't make any sense in the context of the town that they live in. Yeah. How are they seen by the people like, who live here? Like, nobody really talks about them. They have a bunch of pumpkins in their backyard. Well, they live in the middle of, a, like, a neighborhood in a city. If they were out in a rural area, it would make more sense that, you know, oh, we don't see them very often. They're kind of out on their own. But it's a seemingly populated area, though we never see anyone walking around their neighborhood. It could have been like, hey, they kept, you know, they're the last neighbors on this block. They've been holding out for whatever fucking reason. Because people have been comparing this somewhat to Barbarian. But I would say massive giant asterisk there. Barbarian is a very well-made, thoughtful horror movie that knows how to deliver both the horrors and the themes and the character of that film. This movie has none of that. Yeah, and it has a bad theme of it being like, so Peter's supposed to be like afraid of being in the dark, that he has nightmares, and we're supposed to get the vibe that the parents are kind of like, oh, this kid is afraid of everything kind of thing, and like they don't really punish him until like towards the end because the teacher gets involved yeah yeah and then like it's supposed to be like this whole thing like peter is quiet is being bullied by by a kid who's obviously a bully but there's like this weird thing that we don't see for example as most movies would do is him having a friend who maybe is also bullied kind of thing that is, yeah, he has like, no one to bounce off of no one to bounce off of except this teacher this substitute teacher who like does get chastised later on of being like hey did you go to their parents house like you shouldn't have done that like you should have got them that and they're like it was probably one of the best rape parts where they're being very realistic but it was also just delivered so flat that you're like great that's another thing is all of the actors in this movie I've seen in other things and have done good jobs. Here, they are awful. Yeah. And I have to attribute it to it's um, the feature debut of director Samuel Bowden, who, from what I could tell, I think maybe has done short films, YouTube video type things. Yeah. He did like a Batman fan film that got a lot of acclaim, apparently. And I can kind of see that in this movie. It feels very amateurish. Yeah, because it's hard due to the fact that like lizzie kaplan has a moment where she's with miss divine played by cleopatra coleman the t the sub and it is (laughs) like watching two worlds collide that should not fit in (laughs) like they're in two different realities they're both trying to figure out how to play the roles they're in and they're each going in different directions from each other so the scene just has like a chaotic tone of where you're just like, I don't understand what anyone is trying to communicate in this scene. It would have been more interesting if there was like a difference between how like Carol, the mom talks to Miss Divine versus how she talks to her son, except it's the same tone as if like she's been lifted off of like a children's book. She baby talks to every character. Yes. And she's just like, Oh, that picture that my son drew that said, help me. Oh, you know, he has just, he has an overactive imagination. We like things like that where it's every reason that's given to explain why he would draw horrific things is like the most cliche reason you would ever find in any horror movie. Yeah, instead of it just being like, 
you know, maybe her tone becoming a little bit more casual and realistic and just being like, oh no, Peter's just, he has nightmares. He just probably like, hasn't really told me about it. Like he has night terrors. I'm so embarrassed. We'll see what we can do about it. Instead of it's like, oh no, Peter, you were bad. Now, uh, some bad things in school's gonna happen and, you know, you're gonna be homeschooled. Uh, I also, I don't just want to blame this on the director. I also want to blame this on the screenwriter, Chris Thomas Devlin, who this was, he wrote an unsolicited screenplay for Cobweb. Yeah. So just sent it around. It got included on the 2018 Blacklist, which is movies that people in the industry are aware of and really want someone to make, but it doesn't seem like anyone's going to make them, but they have like great premises. Uh, So he got uh, notability where he was hired to write the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022 reboot for Netflix, I believe it was on. And I remember we saw the trailer and it seemed like a lot of references to Zoomers and Zoomer slang, like obnoxiously so. And then they also... Halloween thing of it well, like here's a survivor but it wasn't even the actress who played Sally Hardesty from the first movie because I think she died so they just recast some other old lady so it's not even like uh David Gordon Green's Halloween where it's like well it really is Jamie Lee Curtis if nothing else so they, they Texas Chainsaw Massacre got made first and then I guess they decided to produce this next and I would not be asking the screenwriter to write any more for me if i was a studio because this is bad the thing is like it makes me kind of sad because watching lizzie kaplan i was just like getting to that point i'm like oh yeah i am officially like becoming old because it's like she's around my she's about 40 yeah and it's like now she's playing all these mom characters which is like which is fine that you know age comes but it's also very disheartening because it's like we've seen her in roles where she's funny, she's quick, she's good at her job. But to do this, and I'm not saying it's like... It's kind of embarrassing. Like, Yeah, because it's just... Does she really need the work this bad? I mean, I hope it was a good paycheck. I mean, I hope she keeps her insurance. Uh, the story, in terms of the horror and the thing that's eventually revealed... Because we, while we were watching it, I remember we both were kind of making references to what it was referencing. Yeah. First of all, it feels like a Goosebumps book. Yep. But that like that level of maturity. But this is a R-rated horror film. And that was one thing I discovered. I never read Goosebumps growing up because it was, you know, evil Christian parents who were crazy, whatever. Yeah. I don't feel like I missed out because I have read some Goosebumps books as a teacher, like around Halloween time, find one that's not too bad. Read it. They are horribly written. They are redundant uh they are the characterization is always paper thin and you can go oh well they're books for kids no i want children to have good books children should have books that respect their intelligence and i don't feel that goosebumps does everything hinges on a premise and a cover and then when you really get down to it it's just very formulaic and boring and really not that scary at the end of the day because they hold back. They aren't willing to go as far as you're supposed to. Yeah, and like a lot of times you just don't feel that Peter is at risk or like, do you feel like I, there's like no tension built up as to what could occur to him. Well, because I'm like, here's some things that I knew watching this movie. The parents will be dead by the end of this movie. I knew that like as soon as they were introduced and they started getting weird. Then in that, you know, near the end of the second act where the you know, the big horror is revealed, 
they're clearly not going to kill Miss Divine, and they're clearly not going to kill Peter, but somebody needs to die. So out of nowhere, after maybe 30 minutes of absence from the film, a van pulls up outside, and it's the school bully and his older brother and some of his older brother's friends, and they've decided to come on Halloween night to fuck around with Peter because Peter shoved the bully down the stairs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that is something that felt, as soon as that van showed up, I was like, I can feel the writer at work going, ooh, but we need like some really gruesome kills. And there was barely any characters in this movie. Let me just introduce like four characters out of no, or three characters out of nowhere and bring back the school bully and we'll just let them all die. And that's what happens. And it's all of the cliche things you could think of and the ways that they die. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of digital blood splatters. It's the part that started to feel a little bit like Malignant. And not I as good, though. Not as I good love though. Malignant. Malignant's insane. Like, for a second, oh my God, it's just going to go off the rails. And it doesn't. And it they're doesn't, too scared. It just like, decides it doesn't want to do it. But you are right in it. There's this sort of secrets about peter's family that he doesn't know that inform what the horror is element of malignant yeah but malignant at least had james wan who is a good filmmaker whether his movies are bonkers or not but like Like this movie like with all the loopholes you're just you're entertained yeah with malignant i was just so lost in the how ludicrous especially the the jail police department sequence in that movie is (laughs) amazing and this movie never comes anywhere close i didn't find any like joy in the irony of anything in this movie because it takes itself so seriously yeah and i think it's just it it's a waste of time at the end of the day i didn't feel any tension i didn't feel any concern for this kid because it's just delivered like he's like i'm just a little boy i don't know what's going on i'm so innocent and then you're he's like a 12 year old kid it's yeah. like you have brains you would be it's making like, uh assumptions about things you'd be putting things so together like does a bad thing you don't feel as if he understands how bad it was or you don't feel as if like he's afraid of the consequences. Well, and I think that's direction. It's they didn't know how to play their characters because their director wasn't giving them any information. I think what happened is this director is probably good at special effects because I would say I didn't think the visuals of the movie were bad. No. The visuals were strong, but they were certainly not enough to carry how bad and wooden the acting was. Yeah. Uh it I was never scared. I never felt freaked out. I was never unnerved. I never felt any of the things that you're supposed to feel when you watch a horror movie. I just felt like I'm so glad this movie is only an hour and 30 minutes long. Like it was the perfect amount of time. It ended before I really got tired of it. But like, once again, it's one of those where you're like, oh, it's clear that they're sequel baiting, I guess. I don't know what that ending. Definitely. But like, none of the reveal made sense because spoilers if you give a shit about cobweb you shouldn't the creature is revealed to literally be peter's older sister that he never knew about uh but there's no explanation as to why she can crawl on the walls and the ceiling and has like ludicrously long hair and like claws she slashes people with 
there's no like I never felt and I don't know if you saw was there any hint that like a demon had been summoned at any point or like occult or arcane things around the house no. it didn't feel like it no and then there was also like this weird thing that they don't celebrate Halloween and it's supposed to be like oh no it was like uh, a girl, you know, that house down the street, which we never see. A house that's boarded up on the street. Yeah, I thought they were going to do like a, uh, like a dramatized flashback or something. And like, I thought for a second when it was like being revealed that someone was in the walls, like it would have been like they captured that girl and put her in the walls for whatever reason. No. Like, no. But I'm like, was that their daughter who killed the little girl that went missing? Like, I, oh, they, they, there's, like there's no, but, but the film it. doesn't even give you like a newspaper clipping or something for you to go. Child, because like how, Kaplan was like 16. Yeah, because like Lizzie Kaplan's 41. This creature sounds far older. And I know they're like doing a voice or whatever, but we don't get a sense of the age of the creature either. Or like, why was she born so deformed and fucked up and weird? Like, this weird thing that it's like it's because Peter is hearing things in the walls it's they're just kind of like well the house is very old and you know things get bump in the night and like it would have been more interesting had you seen the parents have like almost like if their mood swings are going to occur being like no they're worried now that it's sort of like they're doing even more repairs in the house and inconvenience yeah, escalating or something like be, maybe like they they kick them out a few times or just being like you can't be in the house dad has to fix this yeah their behavior doesn't align with the threat no and it's sort of like so if you have that thing downstairs in the basement where they had him i think that they would probably be like don't touch this don't touch that and there's like and i also understand why was the creature in the space right next to their son's bedroom it was supposed to be like she crawled out of like the area that she's uh, she was oh, in. okay because okay. she was like oh no I crawled out so I'm able to like get and they to thought you. she was still locked up down there yes and but are they not checking <laughs> apparently not because it's like the only way that she can get out was like through that uh through the like through the wall behind the clock and like again visually it was interesting because when he goes to check on that door that door is like shorter than him so he's kind of like is he supposed to crouch and then like it's also like there's so much that even though you're gonna leave it for your like your imagination kind of thing it just there wasn't enough creepiness amongst the parents to maybe like hey, the mom is singing at the walls trying to calm the girl down. Or, like, the dad, like, making a big issue about, like, he is never, like, Peter is never allowed to go in, into their bedroom for whatever fucking reason. Like, kicking him out of the, the house sporadically because they need to fix something. And then, like, having them freak out of making sure that their secret is withheld while trying to keep this child innocent from, you know, their past sins. Well, I'm like, yeah, it's, I never understood the parents' relationship to the daughter. No, because- It's just, the they're end. imprisoning her, but how do they feel about her? Do they love her? Do they want to kill her? Like, what is going on? Yeah, because it's like this weird thing is that towards the end, when before, like, Carol, aka Lizzie Kaplan, is about to, like, you know whatever <laughs> she's like telling her son is like whatever you did it's your fault 
and just acting and like you'd probably be like all right then you're then you're saying that your child like can kill can we please get something like explain why we need to be afraid well and what i would guess is that this is a film that was inspired from an image rather than an idea yeah because when you think about barbarian and um oh what was his name zach kreger yeah and he talks about having read uh, the gift of fear and then that inspiring him to write a dialogue scene between a man and a woman and that building into the horror he didn't start from a horror point of view per se he started from this is an idea and let's figure out an interesting way to look at this idea from some different angles i don't get that sense from this movie this movie was just hey did you like that scene in this movie we should do something like that. Wouldn't it be really creepy if, and that's not a good foundation for a movie that's going to be memorable or a film that somebody's going to want to revisit. It just feels like cobbling together some greatest hits of horror movies that's how it and it that are disconnected and don't really are. There's no membrane binding them to each other. Well, especially when you, when we already talked about the fact that this film had been at the least the script had been circling around since, 2018 so it just means that like once it started in production they started to see all right what's what are the new hits going on that aren't big budgets and they started like tacking there's like some hereditary in there malignant all kinds of james wan stuff barbarian not considering the fact that when we see those characters in the strong like those characters feel already established they have a history they there's there's like, an implication yeah, that their lives were going on before the movie started. Yeah, there's like ticks, there are things, there are triggers, and we find out what those triggers are, and that really sets them off. And it's really hard to do that when we don't have an understanding of the parents, when we don't under- have an understanding of the kid. And of the threat? The threat that's going on, of why it should be scary, and then you top it off of like putting on this teacher who's like the only person who you kind of understand, but even then... Well, she actually has a goal. Like, yeah. I want to rescue the kid. No one else has. What are they doing? Like, what are Carol and Mark's goals as the parents? Contain the monster? But that's not really a goal. That's they're already doing that. They're already containing the monster. Like, we don't see them struggling to contain it. Yeah. They just see. It seems like those like, oh, it's supposed to be like they're overconfident about it. And so because it's from the point of view of Peter. And what is Peter's goal? Find out why my parents are weird. Yeah, but, but why did but like yeah and that's so like roughly defined yeah, and you don't really know well the thing is like because we don't have him bouncing off someone else we don't see peter go to someone else's house and being like huh that's what parents act like yeah like i don't know what peter thinks his life is supposed to be like because all he does is go to school and come home yeah and he doesn't he's not weird like his parents like that would be one thing because i thought oh if it was kind of adam's family-ish and you know he was off and weird and kind of morbid no not really he's just a kid that doesn't have any fucking friends they feel like they were dolls that just came to life the minute the cameras were turned on yeah and that's a problem because you know at the least show us peter watching television and being like okay and then maybe like hanging out at a friend's house and staying over the night after huge hesitation from his family and him realizing like oh that's the way that like aka normal parents act kind of thing 
him realizing that there isn't bumps in the nights in the house of their house or like if he was scared it was out of something stupid there's not like weird rules about yeah. where you can and cannot go in the house but the thing is like there isn't even any rules of where he can and cannot go in the house there's nothing established yeah. that there should have been established for him to be like having a comparison and then for him to be like all right cool i need to get some help and like or make him even more afraid to be in his own own house except when he's locked in the basement that's the only freak out that he has because he can't hear his sister yeah and i would say it's one of those movies that don't waste your time that's what i would say When a group of friends discovers how to conjure spirits by using an embalmed hand, they become hooked on the new thrill until one of them unleashes terrifying supernatural forces. We're talking about the latest A24 horror film, Talk to Me, which is the uh, debut feature of Australian brothers Danny and Michael Filippo, uh, who I also think maybe had done some YouTube things, or but they'd also worked on uh, The Babadook, yeah. I think doing special effects. So, Ariana, what did you think of Talk to Me? I didn't really like it that much. Okay. Uh, I'm not going into the idea of it being overhyped. I think it was a little bit too influenced by It Follows. Yes. While also yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of missing certain beats that it felt like it was trying to do, but didn't really go all the way with Uh, my thoughts on it were that it feels like it was holding back from being as disturbing as it really could have been yeah there's these little flashes of disturbing things and it also feels like there is some element and i can't name what it is but there's just something not there that's supposed to be there that would have brought everything together would have made it a truly terrifying movie, but it just feels like there was an absence of something. I felt as if the absence was, there was a lack of tension and a lack of me getting involved with these characters. Yeah. yeah. There Uh, was a lot of it sprinkling at the beginning and then like... A little bit towards the middle, but then it just lost me. It I, completely lost me. Like it's with it follows. Like yeah, you have a friend group. You you know the dynamics of the friend group. We don't get too involved in it, but you know what's going on. Well, I think part of that is, and it follows. Uh, Micah Monroe's character is clearly the main character of the movie, and the movie never loses focus from her. Yeah. In talk to me, Mia is the main character. But there are parts of this movie where it shifts to Riley, her best friend's younger brother. Yeah. And he is important to the story. But that shift in focus, I think, kind of made me unsure of who the movie's supposed to be about. Yeah. And it eventually comes back to Mia, and it feels, you know, very clearly Mia's movie after that point. But starting out, I was a little unsure of, is this going to be kind of an ensemble thing, or... And it wasn't. And so I think that's why it feels so off mm-hmm. is it n- didn't concretely 
say Mia is our main character and we're following her through like she's in every scene of this movie save for maybe some like creepy foreshadowing scenes yeah and if you go back to it follows that character is in every single scene yeah uh however i do think the horror concept here is a lot better than cobweb yeah and it works the we were talking about tension there are tense scenes i think the opening of talk to me is a really great tense scene so uh, this man we don't know is wandering through a house party looking for his brother and it becomes clear that his brother has been affected by the supernatural element at work here and then later it's the party where riley has his big it does talk to me for the first time that scene had the tension that i was waiting oh, for yeah. it was like gruesome to the point that i remember like i accidentally pulled my glasses down that it scratched the side of my nose because it was just like it, it, it that it, was where it went for it yeah it went for it and i think it's just and i'm not even asking for more of that i'm asking for make it tense that i think that that could happen again or that i get so involved that i don't want that to happen again like don't bring me back yeah because it was i felt the i kept thinking like okay this is the moment the movie cracks open and it just gets fucked up but then that that moment the tension builds, bursts, calms down, and then we never get back to that moment again. We get little flashes, uh, like when she's uh, has the boyfriend sleeping over, and she sees the spirit appear that's all freaky and weird. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really do anything that threatening. It's just weird. Yeah. And so for the rest of the movie, it's just kind of like, oh, isn't this weird? Isn't that creepy? But because you've shown me the potential of how vile and horrible this could be, everything else you're showing me just doesn't feel any, I don't feel as threatened by it because I know what this thing could do. Yeah. Um, What did you think of the performances in the movie? I thought they were okay. I thought that the friend group together, they had like, they had a chemistry about it when they were all together. When you kind of pull people apart, you're just kind of, they're kind of dull. Yeah. I felt like the the main actor, Mia, played by Sophie Wilde, is good, but didn't compel me as much as other, like, leading actors in a horror movie have before. Yeah. And, like, watching the film, I was telling you before that, like, Jade, who plays the best friend, she felt like the character that would have been the main character normally. Yeah, like, and that Mia would have been the friend who there's something off with her. Like Mia would be like that the you know the chaotic agent that's bringing in what's going on. Um, because I thought Mia would have been a little bit more interesting because at first she hesitates to like pull the trigger on something, and then later on when she's having a conversation with Jade, she's like, "Let's go to this party," and Jade's like, "I don't want to go." And she kind of like manipulates her to go being like, well, it's the second year my mom passed away and I just don't want to be by myself. Because I was I was trying to think of like Mia's character traits and how they play into the plot of the film. Uh, you talk about when she can't pull the trigger. That scene is clearly that feels like the most scripty scene of the movie yeah, 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 where yeah. it's clearly like, oh, she is unable to deliver mercy when needed that's going to come back later. Yeah. And, uh and then the but then there's also the manipulation. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes it felt like she was 
manipulating people, but then other times it, it felt like that wasn't a relevant trait to the movie. And that was very inconsistent for me because if we'd established, oh, Mia will lie to get her way. And then you follow that trait through in the context of this story. You could have had some really interesting scenes. Yeah, I mean, like, there's this whole thing that, like, when Jade and Mia have an argument, um, because, like, Riley gets hurt, like, Jade is like, you're just, you're invading my family kind of thing. And there isn't, like, ever a conversation with an adult uh, with like someone going like Mia you really do spend too much time over at their house like it's supposed to be she's irritated by her father she doesn't want to be around him she's mourning her mother but there's also like there's little hints here and there but we don't really truly see it out there because like when the friend group happens like Haley sees Mia and is like oh Mia why the fuck did you bring her and they're at this party and Mia's not really like hanging out with anybody. But then Mia seems like the one who's more eager to go to parties yeah. than Jade. So that doesn't and track. So it becomes really weird because like Jade is a little bit more popular and is kind of flirting with Haley. And then, but Jade also has a boyfriend and people keep being like, no, uh, Jade's boyfriend, Daniel is obviously more into Mia, but we don't really see it. It's all supposed to have happened years ago. It's supposed to happen years ago. And it's just like the, so that they like, they put these hints of the dynamics, but the di- they don't follow through with them. Cause I think would have been more interesting. Cause like in the movie starts so focused on Mia and her family and the loss that she's going through, but then it sh- suddenly shifts to like, Oh, how embedded she is in Jade's family. Yeah. And that was jolting to me. Cause I thought, Oh, we're going to get to know more about Mia's home life. And it was like, Oh, we're not, we're just going to switch to this other family. It's supposed to be like, she hangs out over at their house more often. And then we didn't really know the background between like, you're saying these characters. And I kept thinking, Oh, the twist is going to be that Mia is actually in love with her friend Jade. And that's why she's always wanting to be around when Jade's boyfriend is there. Not that she's into the boyfriend. That would have been a far more interesting yeah. uh, direction for the plot to go. And I think when you think about the horror that plays out, that would have added another bit of complexity to that dynamic that it doesn't, when you just turn it into like a, Oh, she wants to steal my boyfriend thing, which it does feels very cliche and old it fashioned. Cliche and it feels very weird because Haley and Jade have a lot of moments where they're obviously flirting with each other. Yeah, and Haley is like a trans man or a gender fluid person. And it's just sort of like, and I would have felt like I would have been more compelled had Jade and Haley actually hooked up because there was obviously chemistry between yeah. them. There's obviously something going on. But it's supposed to be like Jade is so like loyal that she can't do anything, so she can't fuck up. When she's also like this goody two shoes, they yeah, kind of frame like, it. They don't really make anybody conflict with one another. Like there aren't people aren't really like when they do have a confrontation, it's really quick to forgive, and it's kind of confusing because me remembering being around that age like when you got into fights like you were getting into fights (laughs) like you were kind of like you would forgive each other but it's just like you it's almost like i wanted them to get nastier than they did well i think the most interesting character in the movie is riley the little brother yeah i think he's one of the better actors in the movie and the arc he goes through there's a certain point where without going into spoilers he doesn't really get much to do after a certain point yeah but 
I found Mia and Riley's dynamic, that was the dynamic I wanted more of from this movie. Yeah, when well, they get into that conflict between what happened with Riley, like you you wanted more out of it, but it was But like me I wanted no Mia and Riley. I wanted yeah. to see those two in more scenes. Yeah, because it's like Because it was like his his biological big sister is lame because she's his big sister, but he has this kind of surrogate sister in Mia who you can tell he's supposed to have a little bit oh, more of a on, yeah, like crush that. on her. He's more interested in talking to her and hearing what she has to say about things. Yeah. And so that was what made it more interesting. And yeah, Jade and Mia, the direction it goes is just, they could have picked a better route, I think. Yeah. And then there's like, there's like following the whole, like it follows thing. They go and track the person who like was attacked in the first scene. Yeah. Right. I don't feel like they got any fucking info. All they got was like it's bad. Like, <laughs> hey, Haley and like Josh, you you two are terrible people doing like doing what you did. And that's that thing. Yeah, it felt like that was meant to be kind of a lore scene. And and I got none. Yeah. And I'm I'm fine that like by the end of this movie, I don't know where this hand came from. You have characters share different stories they've heard about where it came from. I love that. I love that there's things written all over the plaster on the hand that could play into things and like because i know the brothers are not doing another movie using the same hand the same or can see i have no problem with that but like your one scene that's supposed to kind of just feed us a seed of lore yeah like you said it's just it happens and we get the same vibe we had before that scene was yeah the hand's bad and you're sort of yeah i've watched horror movies before i know it's going to turn bad but it would have been nice if this guy had maybe alluded to weird things that occurred as a result of this object just to kind of like like, hype up the horror the confrontation of like Haley and Joss coming to to him after what he went through like he is so calm at the beginning that like yeah he rejects them and like they're like backing away but it's like I wish that there would have been more of a confrontation to see how uh, like Haley and Joss Josh almost be like, maybe we should need, we need to stop doing this. Like at some point they don't know where the hand is and they're not freaking out as badly as they should about it. And I felt like those characters needed some kind of closure and they don't. That scene that kind of the whole film pivots on after that, they're just kind of like gone from the movie for the most part. I think they show up one more time. Yeah. And it's, and it's almost like kind of crude the way that they're written, which kind of, it, can be like it can be a problem for me because it's like they're two characters of color and it's just sort of like them being like well we don't give a fuck well no i mean i don't i don't know if i'd play that angle into it i thought that they were more just teenagers who realized how much fucking trouble they would be in so they're kind of like wanting to distance distance and disconnect yeah it just wasn't like i said they just kind of fall out of the movie yeah and the thing is like they don't fall out of movie being like hey i don't want to get fucking arrested after everything that's happening they just kind of like fade out and are kind of like oh well we fucked up before and it's never like it's just like the movie is going well they're not important anymore bye (laughs) that's my problem with at the end of the day because it's just sort of like you have these characters who are giving this sort of vibe that they don't give a fuck then are like okay no we'll help you find answers and then well like how were they affected by what they saw yeah and we don't really know you know maybe like being being worried that they're going to get arrested because they're kind of like we were handing like yeah the kid doesn't have any drugs in his system 
but we were like we're the constant thing around so we're gonna get in trouble so we need to like bounce back we don't care what the fucking hand is just don't bring it back to us kind of thing well because i'm wondering if that's sequel bait where some detective will make a connection between what we saw in the opening of the movie and then the presence of Haley and joss when riley has his moment and that oh they were at both places i wonder what's going on and i hope that's not what it is uh what did you think of the way the movie portrayed the dead the horrors in the movie because it's anytime somebody features ghosts i'm always interested in okay what's their take on it going to be i i don't know how to feel about it because mia goes through this whole thing where she is trying to find someone in the other side right and um there's like this whole thing of it being like they're being tricksters and they're just like fucking around and i almost wish they would have emphasized on the fact that they're they are liars and make you see whatever it is that you want to see versus what we end up being of her just like wandering so i don't know how i feel about it i it's interesting but it wasn't enough for me to be hooked i thought I needed just a tad more clarity on if they were actually talking to who they thought they were talking to, because then that kind of colors things in different ways. If they were talking to totally disconnected spirits, but spirits who could manifest themselves as people they that the living desired to see, that's that's interesting because that makes more sense as to why Mia goes down the path that she does. Yeah. But it would also be equally interesting if they really are communicating with those people, because then that would make the path that Mia goes down much bleaker and much darker, because it would imply things about the spirit that she's talking to post-life that are horrifying. (laughs) That, like, people we know when they die because of the nature of death become monsters, essentially. Mm -hmm. Like, that's... I like that. I I say the one big thing that I liked from this movie is the bleak hopelessness of it. It is a very bleak, hopeless horror movie that to me, uh, I think reflects the tone that life must be for many like zoomers right now in the era of COVID, the era of climate collapse, the era of like societal collapse, economic collapse that's going on throughout the world and especially the West. Like, Oh, yeah, it, you have to wake up every morning. You just kind of feel this bleak dread. I think it's the one thing, um, and I don't know if it's just because me needing clarification. So um, after they allow whatever it is in their body, it's supposed to be like, oh, it's an amazing experience, even though, like, they're scared. And I'm wondering, like, I almost wish that there had been, like, more, like, was it supposed to be, like, body high? Was it because, like, to me, I'm like... It was, like, psychedelics? Like, psychedelics, because, like, this weird thing is, like, they keep doing it over and over again, so it gets to the point that you're, like, if it's scary, why would you do it? Because it's, like, it's hard for me to pinpoint, because it's, like, I've been on roller coasters. I I find them fun, but it's also sort of, like, we when we see, for example, Mia go through it, it seems horrifying and they also don't always have good experiences because Daniel has a horrible experience when he tries it and the one person who doesn't try it is Jade which because she doesn't try it she like she's never telling them like no I think you guys are overacting you guys she doesn't really know yeah yeah and it's also like this strange thing of like 
they don't mention really anything to the adults but that makes sense that's a teenage thing yeah and like but and it would make sense because it's like but i kind of almost wish that there had been an adult or two that knew about it and kept being like you guys have obviously lost it or like having some of them sit down and try to explain after what happens in that pivotal scene yeah and then just cut to the adult's face just kind of like ludicrously looking at them like are you guys high do we need to get some drug tests like what are you talking about yeah but i think you're right that may be the missing element is the point of view of the possessed person yeah during that those 90 seconds of possession because that would help the audience understand the euphoria that most of them seem to have after the fact yeah because like you're watching them and they're it looks like they're about to choke their eyes are black there's sometimes they're drooling or sometimes they're doing things that they normally wouldn't do that like you kind of find yourself horrified and embarrassed for them but they keep doing it again and again and again I, i think the the implication is that death is a numbing of the senses yeah and so when they get those 90 seconds to be inside those bodies they become obsessed with like physical sensation mm-hmm. because it's something that they're deprived of in death like in death yeah but i'm wondering what occurs to the person who is allowing themselves to be possessed yeah and i think the movie i hope that wasn't like a oh well if it does well we'll address that in a sequel because i really would have liked to have had that addressed yeah, in this movie, because like, it would help me appreciate the horror yeah, of it. Analog for like drugs, but I I still want to know to then be like, all right, I understand why you're willing to do it, despite the fact that there are awful consequences that could occur. Because we have a scene where a possessed person makes out with a, a bulldog. Yeah, when that person wakes up, do they indicate they don't understand why they're doing what they're doing? Right. No, it seemed like he was. Was he fully aware while it was happening? Yeah, okay. Aware and just like embarrassed and horrified. But he had no control over his body. Yeah. And okay. The, and, and however, he still uses the hand again. So that like adds a whole bunch of other implications to certain things, of characters who end up in bad shape, that they're still in there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, there there was a really interesting moment in the movie where a spirit shows me a, a vision of hell. Yeah. And I think the movie saying by the end of it that that was a lie. Did you get that same vibe that they were lied to about that's what it looks like? Yeah. Because death in the movie, when we eventually do see it, is it feels like disconnected in space and time and you're wandering and you can't you're in familiar places, but the places are connected to each other in ways that are non-linear and so it's very disorienting and so i liked that portrayal of death it's i mean that's i would say just as frightening as a sort of classical hell or something uh now we're comparing this let's say to cobweb cobweb i have no interest in what that director and writer are doing next (laughs) what about uh the philip brothers here i might be um there were some interesting visual stuff, especially when it came to them being under the influence of the spirits that they did. Uh, there are certain beats, there are certain elements. Like for example, I re- like I said, when the group of teenagers are together, you feel like this is a group of teenagers that like being around each other. That feel the chemistry feels natural. But when you pull them apart or put them as couples, that's when it yeah. dwindles a little. What I loved 
And I feel like the best scene of the movie is when the horror explodes about the middle of the movie. Yeah. And if they can recreate that and sustain it for a longer period of time, I think they'd have something pretty good. I also feel like this film, when you really look at the plot of it, was not the most creative horror plot. No. It is a pretty standard by the numbers kind of horror story with some little flourishes here and there. And I would hope that in their next movie, because I mean, I always think of when you think about A24 horror debuts, I think of Ari Aster and I think of Hereditary, which is a movie whose I feel that the story didn't go where you expected it. It had the kind of characters you don't expect to see in a horror film. Yeah. It had a tone and a style that felt all its own. It was something I had not seen in a horror movie before. And that's what I was hoping I was going to find here, like a distinctive tone and voice. And I don't necessarily think we got that. I think they're capable of it from from the high highs, those points in the movie. But that's we have to wait, I guess, for a follow-up to see if they're able to do yeah, that. Yeah, you have to do like a lot of more stronger writing. And that also dictates between like ha- also having like knowledgeable actors that are going to take that writing and take it a step further. And being a confident director yourself because you have to decide what stays what goes and that can take time well that's uh when we think of like horror debuts too i also think of like jordan peele's get out which i don't really like get out as much as everybody else seems to Mm -hmm. i feel that jordan peele is a director who's gotten better with age i wasn't very warm towards us when it came out but over time i've warmed up to it more and i appreciate it more and like Nope, I think is my favorite Peel movie so far. Yeah. And so I'm hoping with these brothers, we kind of see a similar trajectory. Like first movie, good, but we build on that and we yeah. improve and we get better and we tighten that writing up. Well, that was the Bob Colt podcast for this week. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure to check out our show notes for any relevant links to reviews and especially to our website popcult.blog where you can find a lot more reviews over there Uh, make sure to subscribe wherever it is you listen to podcasts so you'll be notified when new episodes are up and if you follow us over on popcult.blog you'll find that this month we're doing a whole series of flashback to 1983 looking at films that turned 40 years old this year and uh, seeing what was out there that we might have missed Uh, we've also got a review for the first season of the bear coming up next week that i'm looking forward to as well as other reviews and uh, some solo tabletop roleplay game actual plays as well. If you enjoy what we do here on the podcast and over on popcult.blog, we'd really encourage you to think about supporting us on Patreon. Uh, We've got lots of reward tiers for you to pick from. Speaking of our patrons, I want to thank Morphine, who donates at the sneak preview level, Becca and Matt, who donate at the writer's room level. If you donate at the writer's room level or higher, you get to pick a movie every uh, month for us to watch and review and you can even include your own thoughts on that film with that review if you so please well until next time keep listening